America, we have come so far, but there's so much more to do. I have a dream today. We do not want our freedom gradually, but we want to be free now. We did not secure the right to vote for ourselves to even 50 years later. I think the important thing was that we got our gay rights on Senator Kamala Harris will be the first woman and the first woman of color to become vice president. But still like dust, I'll rise. Hello and welcome to the third episode of Freeus Season 2, a podcast in which we have tough conversations about race in our college, our community, and the country at large. I am your co-host, Timothy, and today we're talking about Black women in keeping with Student Development Celebration of Women's History Month. My name is Natalie, and before we start, I would like to mention it's important that we share how saddened we are by what happened last week in Georgia when a gunman appears to have targeted Asian American women when he murdered eight people including six Asian American women. We are also hopeful that this horrific tragedy and the social media campaigns around Stop Asian Hate may finally lead to an awakening as to the racism leveled against the Asian American and Pacific Islander community. As always, we believe that we will never be truly free until everyone in America is free of the people and ideas that they are oppressed by. We stand with the AAPI community today and every day. Hello everyone, I'm Anjanette. And with that being said, let's begin our conversation about black women. And by that we meet anyone who identifies as a black woman with a quote from Malcolm X. The most disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman, Malcolm X. Disrespected, unprotected, and neglected. That's exactly how we will be organizing our conversation today. Let's begin with how black women are neglected by our society each and every day. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. And this neglection shows up in multiple levels. They will be focusing on medical racism, as well as workplace discrimination and go into education. Um, I'd like to start out with the a quote because most people I would assume are aware that racism is incorporated in medical system. Um, and there's a quote from a doctor who's doing a lot of research and work with medical racism. And her quote is, there's more and more emphasis to thinking about the ways bias shapes the way we hear our patients. So thankfully there are some people who are aware that there's a bias, but still this bias is large and it appears um, in labor and delivery, which specifically targets black women, men aren't having to go through that. Um, but recently, one of the most famous tennis players of all time, Serena Williams, um, 
had a baby and the very next day after she gave birth she was having some extreme pain and she has known medical history with blood clotting this is known and so she was in pain and she went out to a nurse and told the nurse that oh I'm in pain and the nurse was like oh no you're not you're just making things up because you're on pain medication obviously the nurse was wrong thankfully um doctors came in and addressed the situation and Serena Williams is fine but this bias and ignoring from medical um, members of the medical community comes from a place where they've just dehumanized all people of color, especially black women. Um, they don't have empathy for black women. They don't see them as human. And so they don't recognize if a black woman says I'm in pain, then um, the doctors don't recognize it. They're like, oh, not really. They just, they've been taught not to care. In fact, a lot of like medical students in their first or second year in college, they, um, they believe that black people's skin is thicker than white people's skin. Granted, they're in college to learn, but that is not something that they should have ever believed. That's not something that should have to be untaught. That's should be something that they just know and never assume. Um, so I would like to open up a conversation on that, um, of how you've seen that affect your life or um, just go into that if you have anything to add or stuff to talk about. Yeah, I definitely agree with you with the silencing of Black women. We have seen stories. Um, the most dangerous time for a Black woman in her life in the United States is the year after, is right after giving birth, which is supposed to be a joyous time. Unfortunately, with social media, um, things were more connected now than ever. So before what we thought was a once in um, a lifetime situation, we realized it's all too common. Um, I am a mother. I have had um, some issues after giving birth, definitely where had my doctor, and I gave, let me preface this by saying, I gave birth in a predominantly white area and I had some complications, but my doctor was also a woman of color. And I was told to get up, get up, um, you're laying around. Um, I just had a baby approximately three hours prior. And she was like, you need to walk, you need to walk. Finally get up. I'm push, they have me pushing the baby in like the incubator around the hospital. And I collapsed and come to find out my blood count was two. So an average person's blood count is around 12. A woman maybe a little bit lower but I was a two. I never should have even given birth at that state, never mind been up and walking and had my doctor not have been there, probably would have been a completely diff different situation. And had she not been a woman of color, I ended up getting four bags of blood and four bags of plasma, four bags of magnesium and four bags of potassium. I spent 10 days in the hospital. So mm -hmm. to be 
ignored and silenced, we know is a situation for women in general. But then when you hear the stories that black women face, they're just atrocious and it's scary. And this should be the most joyous time of your life. Not when you're afraid. I seen a quote recently and it hit me in such a personal level said, doctors are to black women what police are to black men. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've got to change the narrative. Yeah. It's always interesting when you even look historically how black people were viewed. And when you see as a black woman, when you look at black women, they're seen as a resource rather than a person. And they're seen as this resource and they're toted as being exceptional, able to uh, take more than what other people can take or, or go through really difficult circumstances physically. And I will say black women are tough. There are some, t- there are some tough mamas but they're not just this far off and distant type of uh, being or creature. In fact, I'll call them a human. They're not creatures. All right. I'll, that, and something else that I like to point out is that black women did not choose to be perceived in this manner. This was placed upon them. Even when you read, they would take care of the babies. They were super mothers. They weren't the mothers, but they really were. They were taking care of the babies while yet being mistreated, possibly raped and uh, being cast aside and socially uh, outcasted and their them being social pariah humans they were seen as savages in one in one aspect but seen as motherly tim made an excellent point when he said you were not creatures and that we're human and we're often sold into this black woman superhero trope and that is not something we ask for, nor that we want. We are strong only because we have to be. We're not seen as fragile or genteel as our white counterparts, but that we're strong and sturdy and we can withstand anything that is given to us. And it's not fair. To add on to that conversation briefly, I was doing some history, like research um, about during the Civil War, that idea that Black women were so dehumanized and they were just seen as creatures. The um, Tim mentioned babies and how Black women would care for babies. But specific, they were white babies. White mothers gave their kids to Black women and said, here, take care of them before they could even take care of their own kids. And then it's still a thing where many black women choose not to breastfeed because it's tied into a historical um, root of slavery. And it, I think it all just comes down to the medical, we, when we think about science, we think of it's very like factual and we don't like to focus on that there might be a bias, but there is such a bias and we like to think, oh, there doesn't have to be like emotions involved in science. But we've gotten to a point where we're just focusing on white emotions. There's no empathy for anyone who's not white. I was reading an article that literally said white students in like going in medical fields claim that they don't recognize pain on people of color's faces. 
and it's just it's become so dehumanized and that it doesn't have to be that way um going back to pregnancy the cdc states that 60 percent of maternal complications are preventable it's we've just created a system and thankfully now some people are questioning it created a system where white people are the only standard for emotions and pain which is wrong and it's killing people unnecessarily all deaths should be unnecessary but it's like such a preventable thing um and it's awful i agree with you that um white people are becoming the standard it's even with our even with our even with diagnosing symptoms present differently on melanated skin so what looked like rosacea on you will not look the same on me or perhaps someone even dark skinned um what looks like what presents as a heart attack it's just the same thing as like what presents as a heart attack for a man presents differently for a woman it's the same thing in the african-american community so if we only have one standard of this is what this disease looks like on a white person or these are the symptoms of a white woman they may not be the same to a woman of color and if we're looking at just that and we're only being taught that as medical professionals we're doing a great disservice to a whole section of our popularity. And you spoke to like the, the nursing, we have that Mamie character. Like Mamie was the character on um, Aunt Jemima. It was that one, Mamie was the African-American slave who took care of masses babies. We literally had to stop breastfeeding our own children so that we had milk to breastfeed our slave owner's children. Of course, there's a dichotomy and a discourse and a distrust of breastfeeding. There's a mistrust of the healthcare system. Women, Black women are less likely to seek mental health services. They're most likely to experience postpartum depression and psychosis because they present differently because of the treatment. And you're not going to go, if you've already had a horrible experience in birth, are you going to go back to that same doctor and say, well, now because no, they're going to tell you it's the baby blues. It's all your hormones leaving your body. But a lot of times it's a lot more than that. And it's not diagnosed. And something else that I was finding in my research is there's a lot of discrimination in the workplace. You want to have doctors, women of color as doctors, um, because they will understand and they will know. But... Um, it's harder for black women to get educated. So they, um, I was reading something. So the pay gap is obviously just ginormously different. I was reading something that said black women's equal payday, which is a day every year that it normally arrives um, around eight months into the year is the day that a black woman working full-time year round in the United States must work into the current year to have earned what her male part counter, white male counterpart earned during the prior year. So yeah. a man can make, this is just very simple, man, if a man makes $100 in one year, mm -hmm. a black woman has to 
work a year and eight months to make the exact same. Yeah, because the pay gap is so ridiculous. It's like a dollar for the white for a white man, and then seventy eight cents for a white woman. But it's like between depending on state, it's like fifty eight to sixty four cents for a woman of color. How right? Not to mention, like you said, with education, it's so hard to if you don't get accepted to the program, then how do you pay for the program? And exactly. then you get employed, can you get employed? And then you're still not going to make the same. Yeah. So that's, it's the, we all know that going into middle school, school costs so much. And yes, you, Black women want to have that education, we'll do it. But it's, there's a sort of a glass ceiling. And I had never heard of that term before um, coming here and talking with you guys. So for anyone who's not familiar, glass ceiling just refers to an invisible invisible barrier that prevents women and minorities from being promoted to a managerial or executive level positions within an organization. But that even like you're just saying, that applies to education. Black women aren't getting paid enough to go and pursue this education. And if they do get the education, they do get these jobs, they are going to have microaggressions. They are going to just not be chosen for promotions. And there'll always be an excuse. A white person will always have an excuse for why they won't choose a black woman to promote, but it really just comes down to they're racist. They don't see the other, they don't see a black woman as a human or they can't comprehend. They've so separated themselves that they can't comprehend someone of color like being better than them. They're so tied up and narcissistic. It wasn't it's almost like there's a wall there that even prevents like that you will look that people will look at a black woman and like she's just not capable. Like, uh, like of course, like why would she be a doctor? We hear the stories of you know black women are in the room you know, as doctor, and they're like, well, where's the doctor? And she's like, I am the doctor. And they're like, what? They let your people be doctors now? But it even goes back to even before even college, it goes back to education once again, that are these young girls being told that they can A, do anything? Are they given the opportunity to take sciences and to and to excel in sciences and math and STEM to begin with? So it's just a whole vicious cycle that starts like, Racism touches every single aspect. Sexism touches every single aspect of a black woman's life. So if you're told from, you know, third grade, you know, girls, black girls don't excel in math, or you hear those condescending comments like, oh, you're smart for a black girl. What does that mean? And it's just such little comments that build up over time. That's, I will never be able to fully experience but, but I just, I remember just little comments about being a woman, but it will just build up over time that nothing, even like my parents said, but small comments, things I see that just don't encourage and actually discourage or make me feel bad about appearance. Um, something as little, I'm pretty tall. And so people like constantly commenting on my height, like, wait, is that not normal? Is that a bad thing? Um, 
And it's just those little comments over time that shape our entire the medical, getting education, just every single aspect goes back to what we have in our brains. And then we don't stop these racist comments from coming out because thankfully now I think people are questioning, oh, maybe I shouldn't say something, which is good. But that questioning should have started earlier, but since it hasn't, good that's starting now, but it just needs to spread and people need to have empathy. They need to start understanding. They need to break down that wall and they need to be so intentional. Like being anti-racist is intentional. And you might say, oh, it's hard, but like, it's worth it. There's nothing like it's human decency. So there's nothing worse than looking at another person and not seeing them as a human, like a beautiful, amazing human. Yeah, you- and I, I, I would agree with what you said. Uh, excuse me, everyone. I had to call in through my phone. Uh, my internet decided to drop this morning, but I would agree. And I would, I would uh, also interject and say, I believe it's a lack of a representation, not just merely a lack of representation of people's skin color, but a lack of representation of the ideology within a group of professionals, friends, and within a culture of employment that says uh, we will recognize the Black women in all of their woes and troubles, and we will not let them be ignored. Because when you are, when you are allowing yourself to be a bystander and see these things happen, and not say anything, you become complicit with the behavior uh, within the medical fields and other places. And for Black women to be protected, we must be intentional and allow them to be represented, not merely in color or in job positions, though, though those are good, but with the idea and mindsets that we will protect them at all costs, like any other woman in America deserves to be. Thank you, Tim, for that. That was so precise. And that leads us right into our next topic, which is the most disrespected person in America is a Black woman. And when I say disrespect, I mean like just blatant disrespect. So for some reason in this country, everybody loves all things Black except for when they're on Black women. So we all see that, you know, we're all on social media. We see, you know, the new procedures that are always coming out to there's fillers for your lips and your cheeks. There's hair, you can buy extensions or braids. You can darken your skin and that's all well and fine until you disrespect women for being black, but then salute white women for being black, if that makes sense. So there's a lot of issues in with black fishing where young white influencers over tan their skin, they change their hair and give a racially ambiguous look or present as racially ambiguous, ambiguous to, you know, garner attention, gain likes, often secure 
sponsorships and ad time. So they're literally making money pretending to be black rather than hiring a black model. There was a recent video posted, it's all over TikTok and, and Instagram of a, what seems to be a black model getting undone. Now we know that's, you know, we have the get ready with me videos. We also have the get cleaned up with me videos. And as I watched this video, I looked at this woman and I support all women and I love all things black women. And I just looked at her and I said, there's something odd about her face. And this, this woman had, you know, makeup and eyelashes and like a short Afro with like a design. And the design seemed a little weird. And I was like, well, maybe that's what it is, but you know, she's gorgeous. And as I watched the video, they take off her eyelashes and they start down here at her neck and they peel the entire thing forward and come to find out it was a prosthesis. And that's why it looked odd. And it was a prosthesis of a black woman over a white woman. Her legs were tanned, her face was tanned, her arms were tanned, and they were literally getting her cleaned up after doing a show. So you're telling me in 2021, there was not a single brown-skinned model who was born this way, was naturally melanated, with short hair that you could hire to do this job that you had to hire an entire prosthetics team, a spray tanning team, a makeup team to turn a white woman into a black woman. And that's my problem. To constantly congratulate and award these features that black women had been, derog been degraded for since the beginning of time, long nails. You think, oh, everybody wears long nails. Not always. Long nails were not always our Kardashian staple. They go back decades and decades as being a symbol of the black community. Flojo, SWV, some of the greatest girls, Tina Turner, all had long nails and were chastised. They were called ghetto. Why do you always want to clickety clack? But now that you see on influencers, it's like, well, I seen a TikTok that said, long nails have been such a TikTok thing. No, these go back decades. This is not a new trend. It's the same thing with having big lips. Our lips were called soup coolers, like to blow off hot soup or coffee. But now you can go to Dr. Miami and get fillers and put it on a lip kit and you're okay. And, and mind you, I have no beef with the Kardashians. Please let me know this. I do not, have, I have no beef with any woman that's trying to succeed, none, any woman. But it is very discouraging to be a black woman and to be chastised for the naturally way that you were born and then see it celebrated on someone who's just lighter skinned than you. I think it comes, I think it stems from one of the issues that, uh, how, how we view the black woman. Do we take the black woman seriously? Because uh, for it to be validated on someone of another skin color and for it to become popular after 
a group of people that have done it for such a long amount of time. I think that's a slap in the face to the culture that is found within the Black community, that they can do something for so long. And it becomes to get validated when someone of another skin color decides to pick it up, then everyone else wants to start doing it as if it wasn't cool enough or um, favorable enough when someone of black or African descent was doing it. So I just always thought that was interesting. Yeah, I it's been a few years, but I remember seeing an image um, on social media or something of a white woman and it's all it's her own internal hands like making her skin darker painting her nails doing all this stuff to make herself look darker and more tan but it's her own hands doing it and then it's a picture of a black woman having all these white hands try to make her skin lighter and do all that thing and just the double standards of women cons like white women constantly being like oh I need to be tanner or uh, I need to like, I've even seen like white women getting weed and just stuff like that. And that's another conversation is professional hair. The standard for professional hair is white hair. It's stick straight, white or light blonde, brown hair that is stick straight. And if you go on Google and you type in professional looks, for women, they are all white, their hair is straight. Maybe they have some heat-induced curls, um, but you have to look, you have to search to find any woman, any black woman at all, but especially one with like natural hair. Um, and it's just that discouragement of saying, oh, your appearance as being yourself is not enough. It needs to look white. But then telling white women that they need to look dark, but then the white women are holding the power and it just. Right, you just hit the nail right on the head, exactly. So you're, you you just said it, it's that internalized statement that has been, it is, it is internalized. And that's what my problem with it is, is that all our lives we're told that we are not good enough, that our skin is too dark, our lips are too big, our butts are too big, we're too hippie. You know, we have too much mouth, you know, why, oh, we can't say anything because we have to buy our hair yada 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 but then people of your you know white women are doing it and they're benefiting from black culture while not suffering any of the repercussions felt by the black community like how dare you and you said professional we all help we've heard the stories once again of how many discriminatory practices are putting place the military my hair does not grow straight down right now it's beaten into submission into this ponytail because I have, you know, to go into the kitchen in a few minutes. And once again, perfect example of I'm a culinary student. Do you know how long it took me to find a chef hat that fits my natural hair? No, I have to beat it into submission into this bun to even get a chef hat on. And I had to buy a special one that has an elastic on the back that will fit over my curls to benefit from a culture that you have been told is ugly, is not right, is ghetto, is disgusting, is absolutely insane. And it's really, and there's so many repercussions to this felt by black women because you have black women that are 
cutting on themselves and, and changing things to fit a certain way when mm. white women turn around and do the same thing and are benefiting from it. You know, the army is the same way with haircuts and stuff. But there are a couple other ways that black women are disrespected. And I did want to touch on our looks because it is so important. But I think there's another, there's a huge other way that black women are dis, are disrespected and it's our names. We are often told, um, do you have a nickname? Or we're literally looked at in school and they're like, I'm gonna butcher this. Like just proclaiming it. Like, I'm not gonna try. This is too much for me. I'm not gonna even try. And it's disrespectful from the very, very beginning. If you can learn to say Tchaikovsky, you can learn to pronounce Anjanette correctly. It, I like that you say that. <laughs> don't announce that you're gonna butcher it or you're gonna get it wrong or you forget all the time. Learn it. Just like you would want me to call you by your name, whatever it may be, and not say, oh, do you have a nickname? Oh, wow. It's, it's disrespectful to the core of our identity. Your name is precious. It was given to you for a reason, whatever it may be, and you should learn to say it. And I also am so cognizant because of it that I will never nickname anybody. I always, what would you like to be called? Hmm. So just a PSA to every person, learn to say our names. Don't touch our hair ever. And trans women are women. It all goes back to what we, what I was uh, bringing up earlier, partly in terms of the names and recognizing people's names for what they are, not saying, well, I'm going to butcher this after you've already known them uh, at a place of employment or at school for about two months now. There's no reason for you to continue to butcher someone's name. But are we taking the Black woman seriously? I, I've been repeating this over and over again, but it's important. Are we taking them seriously enough to recognize them in a the workplace? I will say I may at first mess up your name a couple of times trying to get it. But after that, will I be intentional with making sure that you're recognized? Because names are really so powerful. Historically, when we look at names, names really told what you are, what you do the importance of names within society has really been uh, showcased all throughout the years. And for you to not uh, recognize someone for what they are and for who they are, mm -hmm. by merely saying their name wrong, you're telling them that I don't care enough to know your name correctly. I know we work together. I know you picked up my ship last week, but because you're black and I think your name is a little bit hard for me to pronounce, I'm sorry, Ann Jeanette, but today your name is Ann Jenner. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, Ann absolutely, exactly that. That's exactly what it is. And I've had people, which as simple as my name is, I've had people say, well, did you go by something? Do you go by something else? Do you go by something smaller, something easier for me? Like I will not take the time to form a very simple name, three simple syllables, I'm going to put you in this box because it makes me more comfortable. And the double standard of that as a white woman in my family, we all have white names. No one will ever, 
never been asked. Oh, how do you, oh, can I just say something shorter? No one's ever even considered that. Like they ask maybe one time, my last name is kind of hard to pronounce. They'll ask one time, but they're never gonna be like, oh, can I like not call you that? And choose that double standard of, there's some white kids, just white people in general. And I'm like, I don't know how to say their name. Like what, what is this? <laughs> um, but there's still, people are still like, oh, this is a totally fine name because it's a white kid. Transitioning to how black women are the most unprotected person in America. According to the American government, women are more likely to be killed by a spouse or someone they know than a stranger. Furthermore, non-Hispanic black women are the highest rate of homicide at 4.4 homicides per 100,000. 95% of the homicides of Black women had perpetrators who were Black males, and including our trans sisters. In addition, 69% of their murders were Black, and these women were Black, and their deaths were interracial. We've got to do better to protect our Black women. Thank you for sharing that, Anjanette. And I'd also like to point out that women in general have not been protected for years, since the beginning of society, they've been taken advantage of. And even within the foundations of this nation, when we look at the Black woman, the Black woman was systematically abused, and it was allowed. The government was complicit with the actions that took place against Black women. And when we look at Black women, we have to understand the sexual assault they faced, the sexual predators they faced. And as a result, generational silence that came as a result of the society that they were living in. Because if we say we really see and recognize Black women, we cannot value the fruits of her labor over the laborer. That's just not how it works. You can't recognize what she does and not recognize her. That's a slap in the face. And when you do that, you're inflicting trauma upon an unacknowledged group of people, which is the Black woman. And if we really want to say that we hear their voices, we have to allow them to participate in all aspects of society. We have to value their contributions and we have to value their voice. Our voice is a part of who we are. It allows us to, to express how we feel, what we think, and how, how we should go about our life. If we stop people from speaking and we cancel their voice, we ask them, who are they really now? There's a story I'd like to share by a woman named Patricia A. Broussard. She's a professor at Florida A&M University. And I found her story to be really touching on generational silence on in the, the science of black women in general. And unfortunately, it's a story of rape. Patricia A. Broussard has a mother. And her mother had three kids and a brother-in-law. And that brother-in-law came into the home and threatened her and her children. He brought a gun with him and said, I will kill everyone in here. And then he proceeded to rape her. 
And the mother responded with, what should I do? Should I tell someone? I don't know what to do. So she goes to the mother. The mother who was raped goes to her mother and asks what what she should do. And she responds with telling her not to say anything. What's the possible fallout of you saying something? We could lose the family. Your husband might leave. We could lose the household. You may wreck a marriage. What You can't do that. That's not right. And that all comes from a result of how Black women have been treated in the past due to slavery. The response that she was given was not a response that showed that she was recognized. Instead, they saw the fruits of her labor. They saw that a black woman, black woman can keep a family together, that a black woman can raise her children. And instead of understanding the pain and hurt that she was going through, it was shoved under the rug. But, Patric- but Patricia A. Broussard says that she is going to share the stories of those that have been silenced. And I love that because when we try to view a woman as property, what we're doing is saying we can't mistreat property. We can't wrong property, and we cannot rape property. Within history, there's been no legal recourse within America for Black women being raped. Within this hypersexualized view and perception of Black women, they were seen as wanting it. And, And that's just so wrong. How can you say a woman wants it without her saying she wants it? And when you look at the black woman and how she was first treated when she came to America, she was put on an auction block, stripped naked, and seen as what she can be bought with. How much money is she worth? How many children can she have? How wide are her hips? The objectification of black women has been perpetrated all throughout America. It's within the roots of American culture, unfortunately. It was, it was built as the foundation of slavery with the black women just popping out babies so that the white men and those that continued the system to continue to abuse, marginalize, and rape people of the black community, psychologically and physically. Wow, Tim, I, wow. Um, You did such a good job with the research, let me say that. I wish I could say that those generational silences is not something I've ever heard of. Tenashi Coates wrote in Between the World and Me a similar story about how his grandmother allowed his grandmother was at home waiting for her mother. This is when she was a child. She was a teenager. And a man came to the door and said that he was waiting to see her grandmother. So she said, well, come on in and have a seat. My grandmother will be, my mother will be here shortly. So her mother came home. And luckily this story does not end in rape. Mm. Her mother came home, the man and her did whatever business, I think she was selling a cow or something. I, I forget, it was, I forget. I don't know what it was, but he came and they, they did their business and she left. And when she, when, when she left, 
her mother beat her. And she was like, why, why did you beat me? What did I do? What did I do wrong? She said, that man could have killed you. That man could have raped you. You have to protect your body at all times. Mm. And that is kind of how it is passed down in the black community. Like you are always at a target. Mm. And if you're not going to protect your body, well, I'm going to beat you until you do. Wow. So just like in the story that you shared where she couldn't tell because it would break up the family, this other woman was beat to keep the family intact so nothing like this would ever happen. Mm. And it just goes to show like the fears and the amount of precautions and the way that we are raised is completely different because what we face in this world is completely different than our white counterparts. I'm not mm. saying that, you know, they are not shown, they, they don't have fears, that they are not at risk. I wouldn't, I will never say that. But we get it hit from both sides, from racism and, and sexism and just generational and oppress, uh, just systematic oppression. So we're hit on all sides. So our dimensions are going to be completely different than our white counterparts. Mm. It's sad to say that both of these young women face such terrible actions from just being trusting. I just, as we were talking, um, I've had several conversations um, primarily white men and they've just been like well just because I am a woman so I've experienced some sexism and just having to be constantly vigilant anytime I leave my house um constantly being aware of every single person in a room and when you're talking about generational silence I know white men would be like well they just stopped doing that like they shouldn't that's that's oppressive but then they don't realize that for those women to have spoken out against what was going on with them, that would have gotten them killed or beaten. Or, and so at some point, it's, there's such a fear of, yes, I, I technically have a voice. Those women technically could have said something. But what so many, I think, white people don't understand is that they, Black women, have repercussions and consequences from society from what they say in ways that we never will. Um, we, a white, if I say something, it can be excused, or if it's not nice, it can be covered up. But Black women are never given that. It's always has to, and it's just extra critical. Every white eye is going to look at what a Black woman says and be like, oh, that's wrong. They're not even gonna to try to understand where they're coming from. That goes back to, there's no empathy. There's so many white people, there's that wall and they just don't want to break that down and listen to other people. Wow. And I really think we have to take time to sit and truly try to understand one another, not just to passively look to understand, but to, say and commit that there are some issues that are going on in your community right now. Uh, you are not being seen as I am being seen in society. 
and I'm going to sit here and listen to what you have to say. There has to be an intentionality behind uh, every conversation or else the conversations won't matter. And I hear this phrase thrown around a lot, and I, I truly do agree with it. It's called hashtag say her name. And I don't have to go all down the list of multiple names, but what I can do is understand and talk about the ideology that is behind say her name. Because when we say say her name, we say recognize who this black woman is. Recognize the trouble that she faced, but don't rationalize it. Because when you begin to rationalize abuse, that's when you become, that's when you begin to misunderstand and then begin to muddy the water as to what really happened. And you start casting doubt and begin to create a, when you begin to create a chain of events that never really happened. Because when we say, say her name, when I say, say Breonna Taylor, I say, recognize the black woman that was in her room and when she was murdered she was sleeping i didn't say to say her boyfriend's name who was there to protect her i didn't say to say the name of the ex-boyfriend that may have been uh, dealing with some illegal activities i say i said to say her name recognize the wrong that was done to her i say to recognize patricia a broussard's mother's name you recognize that black woman and the trouble that she faced when she was raped by a brother-in-law and then told to be quiet about it. Recognize the circumstances these people have faced and do not try to rationalize them. I find so often in our society, we just try to rationalize the decisions. Well, why, did, why was she dating them? And why, would, why did she open that door? And Anjanette, thank you for bringing that up. I, I truly do understand that we live in a wicked world, but people still want to give others the benefit of the doubt. And when you try to rationalize why someone would be so kind as to open the door and let someone into their home so they could uh, begin some business with their mother, it's truly vile and wicked for you to try to rationalize and say these people are idiots and stupid and that whatever happened to them, they had it coming. I truly do not believe in that. And I think that us as a society, we have to look as to how we can do better. So today we say their names. We say their circumstances. And we say that we support the black woman. And in saying we say their names, we have a wonderful open letter here, which was written by Natalie, and she is going to uh, just bring this whole conversation into a conclusion. And I can't wait for what she has to say to us. Go ahead, Natalie. Thank you, Tim, for that introduction. Um, like he said, I really just wanted to focus on um, what true woman empowerment looks like and go a little bit into what lack of support from white women in society looks like as well. Um, so without further ado, here's the open letter. Dear white women, 
In the past 100 years or so, the idea of what being the all-American woman has evolved. It has changed from the classic American housewife, who is a woman of virtue and balance. A woman is loyal to meeting household expectations, such as cooking every meal, cleaning, and creating structure while managing a social life with children, husbands, and friends. She never gets tired or worn out. And let's face it, this image of a woman, she's white. To what we now have, which is a more diverse understanding and a realistic image of what being a woman is. But who decided these ideals? Men. In fact, our patriarchal society rewards the original ideal woman with more power than her counterparts. She, even if is seen as the perfect woman behind the white picket fence, is not treated as equal, but she is at least not condemned by a man-centered society. The problem is that this image of the perfect all-American woman seeped into our collective consciousness and qualities of that imagery are still widely held as expectations for all women. Qualities like kindness, soft-spokenness, and fair skin are still consciously and unconsciously making the world less fair, especially for Black women. Black women face so many barriers and are still considered unworthy and less beautiful compared to us. Even when they have fought hard enough to sit at the table that they deserve, they are faced with microaggressions regarding their appearance, hair, mannerism, and even their name. Even when they have arrived at an opportunity to elevate in a professional career, they are faced with criticism that they're too sassy, too angry, too assertive, too hostile, and yes, too ghetto. This is why we must wake up to reality. We must use our voice and privilege to empower Black women. We have been silent. We chose not to see. We have worshiped figures like Susan B. Anthony because she only secured the right to vote for white women. In fact, after the Civil War and the 14th Amendment, Black Americans were allowed to vote, which intimidated white men. They were afraid that they were going to lose control of America, but they made deals to ensure that white women having the right to vote kept white men in power. One white suffragette even appealed to a congressman by saying, if you want white supremacy, why not have it constitutionally, honorably? This federal amendment offers the way. We must wake up to reality. We cannot gatekeep what it means to be a good woman. Black women are good women. Actually, very phenomenal. The current system empowers nice white women to dismiss and look down upon black women for our own benefit. There is no acknowledgement that women can be different, that women can come in all shapes, colors, sizes, and ethnicities. These differences are what makes women unique, and when we don't acknowledge this, so we can create a just and inclusive world for all women, then we as white women have failed them. The system created for white men has also failed them. We must wake up and create a new reality. When we sit 
say we support Black lives, we must understand that means dismantling an oppressive system so that their experiences are acknowledged and that their voices are heard. That is true allyship and activism. We can begin to build a society of support for all women and by all women. Let's work against medical racism, workplace discrimination, sexual assault, and violence against Black women. Let's work toward an evolved society that is not anti-Black women. Sincerely, a white woman who believes we can do better. That was great. Thank you so much, Natalie. And we all completely agree with you. That this, sadly, is the end of the episode. So for everyone listening, all of our friends in the community at Valencia College and across the world, stay tuned to our Instagram page at studentsdevcw for more great content until the end of Women's History Month. And also stay tuned for this podcast episode. We'll be, pop, we'll be bringing some more freeish episodes soon. So we'll be seeing you next month. It's important to note when you reflect on this conversation, the intersectionality that exists within the identity of a Black woman. Black women are often discriminated against in ways that do not fit in the category of racism or sexism. That can be a combination of both racism and sexism. This causes Black women to often be left invisible and without resources and support. If you're looking for resources, try We Should All Be Feminist by Chiamanda Ngozi Adichie. Bye, guys.